I can tell you more about Milton the Moose, who keeps visiting us here, than I can about Joe, Joe Biden. I have a dream. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. You know what's happening? You had to put on your windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Democracy simply doesn't work. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's the Ricochet Podcast with Peter Robinson and Rob Long. I'm James Lilix. Today we talk movies with Sonny Bunch. So let's have ourselves a podcast. I can hear you! Welcome, everybody. It's the Ricochet Podcast, episode number 602. Would you like number 603? Well, that can be arranged. Join us at ricochet.com. Be part of the most stimulating conversations and community on the web and help contribute to the ongoing enterprise that is Ricochet. We've been here for an awful long time. We want to be here for an awful long time more. Elections to come, things to discuss, politics, art, sports, everything is discussed over at Ricochet. Member feed is where people who, you know, got a little skin in the game, as Rob said, yay so many podcasts ago and uh, the little code of conduct keeps everything civil so if you're tired of facebook and twitter and all the other people ranting and raving ricochet is the place for you to go and maybe just a little ranting and raving if you like yeah there is some that's rob long in new york i believe peter robinson is out in the woods somewhere right okay all right and you survived whatever arcane wyoming 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 Right. Deep wood. I thought you Deep were wood. at some. I thought you were at some some exclusive club where they, you know, invitation only, where they take the new members and roll them in honey and sesame nuts and then leave them out in the woods <laughs> for the, the expiation of sin and care or something like that. But Wyoming, that sounds great. Well, you have to tell us a little bit about it later. I know he's chomping, champing. I'm sorry at the bit for that. Rob can't wait to talk about James Caan. Who died? I'm kidding. Of course, uh-huh. Rob does not want to talk about James Caan. Oh, I don't care. It doesn't seem very interesting, but I mean, if, if you're interested in well, that, I'll talk about the, it. I'm not, but in the sense that these uh, sort of sweaty mid 70s icons are passing, maybe we can discuss that with our upcoming guests. But the thing is, is that are we in the silly season yet? It's sort of the period of the summer where news stops happening, or at least used to. I remember somebody saying, yeah, it's August, nothing happens, and then Iraq invades Kuwait. And ever since then, the silly seasons when nothing happens seem to be as eventful as the rest. We're in a 24-7, 365 news cycle, never ever stops. But Peter has been out of the loop for a week. Correct. A blessed thing to be. Um, I've been busy with family and stuff. And so I haven't been marinating as much as I could to the, you know, to the, which is good for the brain, good for the mind, good for the heart and soul. But there is news to discuss. The president has COVID. Nobody particularly seems to care uh, because nobody's worried. Uh, nobody seems interested in how a gentleman in that controlled environment wearing, we assume, proper maskage at all times around people, nevertheless came down with COVID. And why he gave a little speech saying he was fine not wearing a mask, therefore putting the entire camera crew at risk. I mean, if it had been Trump, et cetera, et cetera. So what's more interesting is that Biden is being encouraged to really go into, quote, beast mode, executive beast mode when it comes to climate change and issuing what? Laws, demands, requirements? What? Have you guys been following this? And do you expect some raft of new edicts to come rattling down the pipeline? 
Not that we have a pipeline, of course. Uh, I caught the headlines. Uh, That much I did do yesterday. It's been 10 days since I really paid any attention to the news or read a newspaper thoroughly. And it sounds like confession. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just, if, if listeners hear me defer to Rob, which of course I do only through gritted teeth, that's why, because he, (laughs) he's in Manhattan, he's keeping up with things and I'm in Wyoming and just plain haven't. Although I can tell you a little bit about a moose who keeps visiting us. Um, So what is there to say if he invokes emergency powers, uh, he'll be doing something he ought not to do. Donald Trump invoked emergency powers uh, for the border, and uh, it turns out that emergency powers have been invoked by every president going back, 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 at least to Gerald Ford. Bill Clinton invoked them far more often than Donald Trump did. So it's not that unusual, but presidents ought not to do this. But the main point that I still find puzzling, and I am just setting this up for Brother Rob, This we have come back to this again and again on this podcast, is why are these people, by which I mean the administration and the Democratic leadership, not moving to the center, invoking a national emergency, whatever executive orders he's going to issue under that legal coloration to cut off more drilling when people are paying five six in california seven dollars a tank at the pump i do not understand this as a matter as a matter of law and policy it's wrong as a matter of politics it is utterly baffling yeah we used to have this little joke um we would do in the writer's room when somebody kept pitching a joke on an area that was like you know something arcane thing that nobody cared about like taxes or something, you know, what a, a joke form. And someone would say, more tax material screams America. <laughs> and that just feels to me like there's nobody in the Oval Office saying, you know, giving him the heart, like more climate change regulations screams America. You know, it, it, like ask anyone in line paying $5 a gallon or $4 a gallon, whatever it is now, it's lower, but it's not that much lower. Um, if they <laughs> wear climate change, regulations are on their list of priorities. It just, it seems, you know, it's funny. Um, I think, look, I'm a partisan in a a sense, although I'm not a Republican, I'm sort of generally aligned. Um, I I think everybody went insane around the second term of the George W. Bush administration. That's kind of when I locate the true madness that beset the Democratic Party and the progressives. they just couldn't believe that uh, John Kerry had lost. They simply right. so they went insane. Um, and I believe that this kind of derangement is still there. They just don't. They had a psychic break with America at that point. Um, and, the, and they didn't have not reclaimed it. And you can see, you can hear it in everything they say. You can hear it in, in their instincts, their political instincts. I mean, this is the Democratic Party. This is the, the most successful political party in the history of Earth. It was the largest political party ever. It had control for 50 years almost of the House. It's an extra, It's a success story in the world political history. And it's now run by people who have really have some kind of cognitive or psychological uh, uh, break with their constituents and with reality. And I find that so... And it's easier for the Republican Party to go nuts and to be filled with weirdos and crackpots because it's smaller, Why? Um, just smaller. Like it's just always been smaller party. Right. I mean, that's one of the pro- one of its big challenges, but it's just always been smaller. Um, 
this to me seems so strange, but it also shows you that I think my larger argument now is that the institutions in America are changing rapidly and the voters mm. are demanding new. And one of the reasons why we have this volatility, I say this all the time and I tell me to shut up, but one of the reasons you're seeing this in kind of crazy volatility in political markets, basically, right? In votes, we went from uh, George W. Bush to from Bill Clinton to George W. Bush to Barack Obama, then back to uh, Donald Trump, then back to Joe Biden. Nancy Pelosi has been Speaker of the House, I think, ten times or something. Like we've had these rapid changes in 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 government. And if you're one of the elites, you say that's because the people are stupid and insane. But if you're actually paying attention, you're like, no, no, that's the people trying to get your attention. That's a mm-hmm. marketplace saying it's an opportunity. Um, and the parties, both of them, I think, but especially the Democratic Party. Uh, are to seem absolutely ill-equipped. I mean, the, the the smart thing for them to do is to fire everybody, which they can't do, and replace everybody with somebody new. No, new people couldn't do any worse. The only sense I can put on it is that the Democrats are in a case in a state of they're in a state of political despair. Here's what I mean: they know they're going to lose, and what that means is that there's nobody in the party who has any defense against the left saying, well, if we're going to lose anyway, let's go for all of it right now. Mm-hmm. Let's just jam <laughs> through as much of our agenda as we possibly can right now. Maybe they're behaving the way they're behaving, not because they think this is the way to the political uplands, but because they are already, they've already factored in, the markets have impounded the information, the political markets, so yeah. to speak, that the Democrats are going to lose, and they are just in this desperate, wild, unstoppable rage to jam through as much of their agenda as they possibly can right now that makes a little bit of sense only a little guess, but, a but little they know they're not going to get it i mean it seems to me that all right. this stuff leading up the midterms is kabuki theater oh in traditionally i don't think this is specific to this moment but it's kabuki theater and if you're going to do kabuki theater do kabuki theater that people want to see um you do the kabuki right. theater that bill clinton did you know uh, remember i mean i'm old so i remember bill clinton ran on putting a, a, a list of crazy things but it still sent a signal to america that got him uh, reelected a hundred thousand cops on the street new cops on the street the federal government somehow paid for i think that was fraudulent but the fact that he said it meant something and um the school uniforms remember the president of the united mm-hmm. states stood out right. well, i'm in favor of school uniforms and uh, that was enough to convince the great vast middle that, okay, he's not insane. Um, this guy seems like I, I just, it's a baffling to me. It's just well, how you could, how a big giant, I mean, we forget that these parties are uh, really good at doing a thing that is actually very, very hard to do. They get 60 plus million people to do mm-hmm. something roughly on the same day, mostly, but, but they get 60 million people to do something. If you're, if you, if you're the vice president of product at Procter and Gamble, and you can get 65 or 70 or 80 million people now to do a thing. And the other guy over at Unilever is getting another 60, 70, 80 million people to do one thing, you know, roughly within a certain time frame. That's amazing. These are these are these right. are these are right. uh, organizations that have operated an extremely high level, just you know, operationally. I mean, um, not intellectually, of course, but the fact that they're just incapable of doing that suggests that. I mean, I don't know. If I was a Democrat, I'd be saying, um, "Get me out of here. Give me something new." Everyone's so what the, gone. What the, They're what all the, eighty the, anyway. The underlying philosophical 
precepts and beliefs of the Democratic Party used to be uh, patriotism. Uh, America was flawed, but America could be fixed. America was exceptional. They were all about America. And they cast their eyes post-Carter, pre-Carter, in Carter, uh, around the world to say that human rights are good and America can be a shining beacon. Why we got a statue about that in the harbor. Eventually, after the long march through the institutions, I think the new left convinced the Democratic Party, or at least the people who were coming up into it, that the cool thing to be is to be transnational. That nationalism is bad. Belief in America, it's a flawed project. It's it's bad from the get-go, and really, there's nothing special about it. What we have to care about is the planet, which is a very vague sort of thing. And that very easily gets translated and, and, and transmuted into ecological panic, which has always been there, too, because they love the ecological panic because it confirms all of their priors about the evils of consumerism, about the blight of mankind as a virus on the planet, about the, the, the horrible things that capitalism have done. Why look at this garbage? It makes this Indian man in the commercials cry, and he wasn't even an Indian man at all. He was Italian, etc. So you've got the ecological panic and you have this right. belief in the wonders of the planet. So what do you get? You get this, this idea constantly being reshifted, like, like one of the apocalyptic leaders who says that, that God is coming on next Tuesday and he doesn't. So they shift the date for 30 years. We've, we've, yes. we've been hearing about the date being shifted. So, Peter, your question about why aren't they talking about gas prices? If you think that the Nazis are heading towards Paris, then people bickering in the streets of Paris about whether or not a five franc uh, cent, or a five centime deposit on, on, on grocery store bags should be lifted strikes you as ridiculous. Here is the existential right. peril right here. And you're arguing right, about this right. there was a cartoon in the paper today, which had Uncle Sam on a beach and there were three waves coming towards him. Three huge tsunami waves. Now, you could take that cartoon and ask anybody's Russia, how would you fill in those waves? And people would say uh, gas prices, recession, uh, you know, economic uh, collapse, etc. Because those are the things that are concentrating the American mind wonderfully. But no, Uncle Sam on the beach is saying, if I close my eyes, maybe nothing will happen. The first wave is called heat wave because we've never had anything like this before. It was remarkable. Somebody showed a difference in German television between, I think it was 2009 and 2019 or, or right. 2022. The temperatures in 2009 were greater than they are today in europe which is of course dying oh is that so that's right the, okay that's fascinating oh yeah remember all those people died on, the, on this day were 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 higher and the map is green in 2022 when the temperatures listed are lower the weather person is standing in front of a map and it's lurid red so just with that little simple little color change right there, you're able to say, you know, what before looked like yeah, right. it's hot. Now right. it looks right. like right. literally a fever and death and immolation. So the first, <laughs> the first wave in the the first the, the first label her block like on the wave is heat wave. The second one coming behind it is climate change, because, of course, what we're experiencing now is a direct result of people not buying electrical vehicles as quickly as possible and plugging them into an into a you know infrastructure that is powered right. by coal. <clears throat> so that's the second way. The third and largest tsunami, which will presumably sweep miles into the coast that this cartoonist has us to worry about, is labeled. What do you guys think? What do you think that we've got heat wave? We have global warming. What do you think the third wave soon to come is? Global extinction. Oh, oh. global extinction. So if that's what you're up against, and they, I mean, the guy did the cartoon and penciled that in with the idea that nobody's going to look askance at it. 
I mean, if, if, if he'd put drag queen story hour at the top, they would have thought he was crazy, but <laughs> global extinction makes sense, right? Oh yeah, of course. Of course. So, right. And our paper runs well, because, because heads are nodding. This is what we're up against. And this is why right. we all, this is why everybody, this is why the secretary of transport of transportation, a department that is designed supposedly to assist people in getting from one part to the other part is telling us that I don't understand why people are so reluctant to part with their gas vehicles and buy an EV. They don't get it at all because the Nazis are marching toward Paris and we're arguing about a few centimes on the on the cappuccino bill. So uh, it, it's remarkable. But Rob's right. The, and Peter's right. The disconnect is there. And uh, they really do think America is demanding more tax policy jokes. Yeah, more material on the on the subject that nobody cares about. I mean, that that is ultimately you know, I think going to shape politics. Weirdly, it shouldn't shape politics for the next two years, but it's going to shape politics for the next two years. This bizarre obsession with 2024, when in fact, if you were president of the United States right now, there's a lot you could do between now and 2024. Um, but this bizarre obsession with it, I think is what's creating the trouble. Um, you know, you have, it's going to be, who is going to be talking about the issues that Americans care about. Who's going to be talking about inflation? Who's going to be talking about crime? Who's going to be talking about, um, I mean, pick you know, Ukraine. If you want to say Ukraine, who's going to be talking about, um, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm making the, the border. Who's going to be talking about education? Who's going to be talking about which schools are open, which schools are not open? Who's going to be talking about uh, uh, what are we going to do for the next wave of COVID? Who's going to be talking about all that stuff? And, um, if you what the, if one party is talking about climate change, and the other party is talking about the twenty twenty election, the American people are going to go ape, and they're going to deserve to. Yeah. And the American people are going to say, you know what? Neither. The party that actually acts like a human being, like it lives in the real world, for five more seconds than the other party is the party that wins the, the the candidate that can behave like a normal person mm -hmm. for five more seconds than his or her opponent is almost always the winner and um right now it feels to me like i mean i'm you know again i to try very very hard not to be a fanboy for ron DeSantis. um I, I personally think dark horse strong candidate for the republicans is mike pence um do you really uh, I really do. I really do. I, I, I really do think he's 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 a, a really good politician, a really good, good candidate. I mean, he's a lot more conservative than I am. Uh, so I disagree with him. It's not like I, I'm not stumping for him, but I feel like he's uh, you watch the moves he's making. He's a pretty smart guy. And. Um, and he and I've seen him, you know, you watch him on the stump, you watch him in places where he's getting hostile questions and how he takes them and how he handles them. He's got a lot of skills, politician. Um, and certainly has a lot of skill as an administrator, which I think is a good thing. So anyway, the mm -hmm. question is going to be like, who answers, who, who's answering the questions that the American people are asking? And I don't see anybody asking questions about climate. I hear them asking questions about why is gas $5? So why do we cancel pipelines? Mm -hmm. And why are the, why are some schools closed or why were they closed? And why are they, instead of teaching, indoctrinating people, what well, all sorts of questions, right? That if you don't answer, um, you know, yeah, on climate. On climate, if you really, t this is sort of, this is what, I think this is what James was getting at. Although James is right here. He'll tell me what he was getting at. But if you, if you were <laughs> was I, really, was, was, I, was I that obscure in that little <laughs> <laughs> What, if you were really concerned about climate, 
here's what you'd be doing. You'd be putting research money into more fracking, not less, because of course, natural gas is cleaner than mm-hmm. other forms of than oil that's dug up, and it's cleaner than much cleaner than coal. And you'd want to encourage India and even China. You might even give some technology away to those countries to encourage them to move to fracking. And above all, you'd be putting research dollars into nuclear energy. Germany is now down to six reactors on its way to closing all the reactors. And as a result, now that Putin has turned off the spigot of gas from Russia, Germany is now burning coal. France has 56 nuclear reactors. I just looked it up. How many nuclear accidents? As far as I can tell, zero. Of the modern countries, France has the highest, I mean, of course, it, it is with gritted teeth that I give the French credit for anything. But there are examples in this world of moving to forms of energy that pollute less okay and yet we know that in this country they're not serious the left which preaches endlessly about climate change actually has no interest in expanding nuclear power and is doing all it can to shut down natural gas and that's where the james point comes in american sense that the Democrats aren't serious, that what's really going on is hostility to middle-class life. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Middle-class right. life is still pretty hard to achieve for a lot of Americans. A second car in the garage, good schools for the kids. And when middle America senses that the Democratic Party sits in judgment on what represents an enormous achievement for family after family after family across the country, that they want to make it harder that if they had their way, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the, the gang would shut it down. This is not good for that party. This is just uh, two, not two good. Two interesting factoids. I know we have to go to a spot. One, uh, a giant earthquake in Japan and a tsunami. When? You mean just no, now? No, no, no. We had the earthquake and the tsunami and it hit a nuclear power plant. Zero radiation leakage. Number of casualties from the power plant and radiation, zero. You know, there were casualties. A lot of people drowned. A lot of people got hit by stuff. A lot of people died of exposure. Zero people died as a result of a gigantic tidal wave hitting that nuclear power plant. Um, sign of that maybe people are building nuclear power plants in a smart way. I mean, I would say, hey, whoever built that one, built, one, built a couple for us, right? Uh, second interesting um, issue, or a second interesting thing, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won her district. Small number of votes she won. Um, she won her winning margin. Weren't the working class brown people in that district? They were the white gentrifiers. You can look it up. It, <laughs> that, that is who is now uh, at, at the helm of the Democratic Party. And um, college professors, essentially. And that is um, not a recipe for success. The people who can afford the luxury beliefs. Listen, nuclear is the modern version of the dark satanic mills, and people are afraid of it. What they want to see are those wonderful, slow-moving turbine blades. And I'm afraid that someday they're going to take North Dakota and look at it and say, there's so much space here. We can fill North Dakota entirely with wind turbines. You know what's going to happen then? The wind is going to blow so strong in the opposite direction that turbines will have the effect of temporarily stopping the rotation of the Earth in a conjure <laughs> You know what that happens when... <laughs> Well, and we all 
be able to sleep. And people will be thinking, oh, my gosh, the rapture actually did happen. I should have converted. So all the people, I think, in North Dakota, when they do build that many, will just walk around with parachutes on their back in case the rotation of the Earth stop and they do fly up. Because eventually, of course, you're going to have to come down. Now, when you're packing your parachute, are you thinking, boy, I wonder what the thread count is on this? No, you're thinking about the quality of the parachute. Unbelievable. Nice. No matter how many threads your sheets have. And again, don't pack your own parachute of your own bed sheets. But if you did, you'd want the best threads possible, wouldn't you? And you would if you had bowl and branch. They use the best 100% organic cotton threads on the planet. They do that because they give a superior softness and a better night's sleep. Their sheets aren't just buttery breathable and impossibly soft to start with they get softer with every wash we have a house guest this week and uh, i have availed her of our classic bowl and branch i've heard not a people complaint as a matter of fact she rises every morning and stretches and yawns and says she has an absolutely wonderful night's sleep so i'm here to tell you that as in every single week i have done this my sheets are better this week than they were before and they were great last week now the signature hem sheets from bowl and branch are best sellers for a very good reason you'll immediately feel the difference and from there the sheets will just get softer and softer with every wash because they're made with threads that are so luxurious they're beloved by oh i think we're up to three u.s presidents now and if presidents can't convince you then check out there more than one zero comma zero 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 ten thousand stellar reviews best of all bowl and branch gives you a 30 night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all the orders and that sounds crazy what they, they want me to send my old you know my sheets back after i've used them for 30 days well you can if you want to but you won't. They're that good. Get 20% off site-wise during the annual summer event that's happening only now at BowlandBranch.com. 20% off site-wide. It's the best offer of the year before the holidays, so act now. That's BowlandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com for 20% off site-wide. And we thank Bowland Branch for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. And now we welcome to the podcast, Sonny Bunch. Culture editor of the Bulwark, contributor of the Washington Post. His work has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the National Review, Commentary Magazine, the Weekly Standard, and elsewhere. And of course, he's always on Twitter telling you uh, his opinions on movies. And he's here to talk to us about summertime movie fun. You're talking to Peter Robinson, who, uh, who is in Wyoming, where they watch them projected on a bedsheet, Bolton Branch probably. Rob Long, who's in New York, <laughs> where they have small, cramped little theaters that are still playing the sorrow and the pity. And uh, I'm here in Minneapolis, where we have large, huge, wonderful theaters with great sound that... Uh, undoes your you know lower back muscles and the IMAX and the rest of it. So you got the full panoply here. But theaters, Sonny, we were told a couple of years ago, the pandemic was going to just slay the entire industry. AMC had that little kerfluffle with their stock and the rest of it. They were closing. The industry was reeling. How's it doing now? And welcome, by the way. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it, what you, to get the full range, I'm in Texas, uh, the home of the Draft House, the Alamo Draft House, Alamo Draft House uh, right. which is a wonderful place to go see movies. Uh, theaters have, um, I, look, theaters uh, are not back to uh, 2019 levels, 2018 levels. Um, I think it's fair to say that they will likely never recover quite to that level. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, the, the top of the, the top of the, uh, theatrical experience has basically come back full force, you know, movies like Top Gun Maverick, which has made $600 million. It's in the right. top 10 domestic all time right now. Um, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home made $800 million domestic. You know, the, the, the MCU style movies are still, uh, putting, putting people in theaters. Um, and the, uh, the, the real softness in the market is in that hundred to $250 million range. Those are the movies that are, uh, have been slower to come back, have been 
been, you know, haven't been filling seats as well. Partly that's a, that's just a, that's just a product problem. I mean, there's, I think there's 30% fewer films that will be released this year. You know, there, there's, there's less stuff in theaters Um, and there's less of certain genres, right? Like I, I saw somebody talking yesterday about how there have only been four, uh, wide release horror films this year, um, before Nope, or maybe including, maybe even including Nope, which is out this weekend. Um, which is, I look, those are the sorts of movies that they, they cost $15 million to make. They make 70, $80 million. Uh, they help keep theaters kind of full, you know, the studios make a decent amount of money on them and they just, they just don't exist right now in terms of what's in, in theaters. Um, so I, I think until we see a wider range of stuff coming back, um, and, uh, that, that kind of mid market movie really hitting its stride again, theaters are still going to be, you know, down that said, if it, if theaters come back to 80% of the, the 2019 box office this year or 70% or so, that's a, that's a good comeback. I mean, that's a, that's not bad. Well, they're going to be encouraged to do that by the success in the theaters of movies this summer. I mean, it's been a good box office summer for movies. I mean, considering what people expected in theaters. So, I mean, the problem is the pipeline is always about 18 months, 24 months late, although people are making release decisions, right? So the studios are saying, well, we don't know yet where it's, you're going to be able to see this first or when you're going to be able to see this first or how many weeks will be the window between seeing it in a theater and seeing it at home. I mean, yeah. everybody's sort of like, like trying to figure that out. Um, and there's no particular reason for it. What we do know is that older people um, have that middle market. That's 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 those are their movies, right? The movies that used to come out in September, October, when the kids are back in school and grown-ups go out and watch movies. And those are tr- traditionally been the movies that win the Oscars because it's you know they're the boring ones that you know Meryl Streep's in, right? Um, those seem to be gone. I don't know where the case is for those yeah. right now. I mean, if you're um, you know, you everybody all these streamers are facing headwinds, right? Um, the ones that are ad supported are facing headwinds, the ones that are subscriber supported are facing headwinds. Um, everybody's so like the consumer's feeling a little pinched. They don't really want to pay two hundred dollars a month for stuff they're not watching. So there's gonna be a shakedown there. Is that gonna I mean it, traditionally, as somebody who's worked in that business, the every time streaming uh stumbles. People in the old OG types think, yeah. <laughs> and every time um, the big box office or a broadcast network stumbles, people in the streaming and sort of more um, premium space think, yeah. But isn't it like possible that both of them are going to have trouble? And then I don't know. And the rest of America is going to say, yeah, or what? I- totally. <laughs> I- if you well, if you look at Netflix's subscriber numbers, Netflix lost subscribers for the yeah. second quarter in a row. Um, which is. Thought, though. Not as many as I thought. So they had projected losing 2 million subscribers. I think they only lost just under 1 million. So, you know, it's a big, big win. We only lost 900,000 subscribers. Um, And, you know, they have 220 million subscribers or whatever, so they can, they can afford to take the occasional uh, beating like that. Um, The, the issue for, I think the issue for consumers from, from a consumer point of view, the thing that consumers are confused about is what is going to be where and when. Um, so if you, when you, when you have a movie like the black phone, right, which is uh, a relatively big hit, it's a horror film, um, costs $20 million to make. I think it's gross 67 or $70 million, something like that. Um, uh, domestically so far big hit, but it also winds up on Peacock 
like right. or it's it's on VOD three weekends later. It's on it's on VOD the third weekend. I think it's going to be on Peacock a couple weekends after that. Um, you know, I, I, I it, for a bigger example of this, look at what is happening with the MCU and Disney Plus. Right, Disney Plus basically says we're going to have all of our big movies on Disney Plus right. uh, within six weeks, seven weeks. Um, and what you end up getting is these huge opening weekends, uh, like Thor Love and Thunder debuted at $140 million or whatever. Doctor Strange 2 debuted at $180 million, followed by massive precipitous drop-offs, 68% drops, 67% drops. Right. And that's because that's because you have like that front-loaded audience who like has to see it first weekend, and then everybody else is kind of like, eh. I'll wait. I'll wait to see it on Disney Plus. I don't need to. That's I don't okay. Need to I mean, like that is part of the strategy. I mean, to release a picture, to release a title, whether it's a Netflix series or a feature film, we're talking about fifteen, twenty million dollars, right? Because it's going to go right into the middle of crazy, this huge. Uh, a kaleidoscopic bazaar of things you can watch on TV. Anyone who's ever tried to watch a TV show on television, the way you watch them now has had this experience, which is where is everything? How yeah. do I get it? The mm -hmm. Apple Apple is like, the, it maybe is the four, the, the most successful user experience company in the world. Right. And their Apple TV interface is appalling. Hard. Mm -hmm. Hard to appalling. use. Hard to use. Amazon <laughs> appalling. These are absolutely un, I mean, if I were Amazon is the job, worst. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but if I were Steve Jobs, I would be haunting that little circular thing and saying, this is gross. It's a huge circular thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so part of them, part of them, they deserve, I think, these headwinds. They're not making it easy. They're making it homework for me. They're creating more friction. The whole point of streaming was reduce the friction. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me that once you can say to people, actually, it's easier for me to drive to the mall and park and get a Diet Coke and a popcorn and watch a movie at 7.35 p.m. than it is for me to figure out this freaking, you know, the yeah. Apple TV interface, well, which I think it is. That well, is when you're in not trouble. that bad an interface for one thing. Oh, it's uh, terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. They even even they know it's terrible. Yeah. Internally, yeah, they call I, it terrible. I, Right, but I don't find myself stabbing with a remote and, and saying, it's not working, it's not calling up my stories. I mean, the one of the things I like about it is it actually knows what I watched on another platform and puts it in a pane up there. I don't have any, I mean, could it all be, could it all be well, better? It could all be better. So They're you all, are, you are, you are, a, 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 I have to say, your constituency won on that. Even mm -hmm. Apple internally, they yeah, recognize mm -hmm. it's a disaster. It's a disaster. And it's also fraudulent because it tells you, oh, you can watch this and you click on it and like, well, no, you can't, you have to pay. Like, well, wait a minute. I thought I got this. Like the, the con consumers are furious. The normal one th consumer. One thing we should uh, draw a distinction on here. And this is a weird thing. Again, I don't think consumers understand entirely is that you have the Apple TV app and then you have the Apple TV plus channel and the mm -hmm. Apple TV app, uh, like James says, is actually useful in the sense that it will remind me that I have a show on Hulu. I want to watch or mm -hmm. a show on, uh, you know, Apple TV plus or Netflix, like keep watching, continue watching. But the Apple TV plus sh channel itself is all, it's impossible to just scan through and, and stroll through and see like what's new and what's, what's interesting. Um, I, but like for the, for the big summer movies, I mean, look, I, I, I think I am, I am as shocked as anybody by the success of Top Gun Maverick. Right. Really? Um, Why? Why? I, Why? Why? Well, I mean, Why are you I, shocked? Oh, I'm shocked. I mean, I thought it was going to I thought it was going to be a success because Paramount thought it was going to be a success. They've held right, this movie right. for two years now. They 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 right. knew they had something special. And, and I'm and Tom Cruise saw it and fought for it. A theatrical release. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it's going to make a billion dollars in cash from the theaters. And Tom Cruise is the hero behind it all. 
Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise knew what he had. Uh, you know, d- director Joseph Kaczynski knew what he had. Like, I, I, I expected it to be a hit. I did not expect it to be a one point two or one point three billion dollar hit. I mean, that that's a that's an order of magnitude, you know, beyond kind of what is I it thought. any good? It's great. Is it any it's good? Great. We're I've, talking about I've, money, 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 and and systems for seeing it. Give I us some it. criticism oh, here. Is it good? Oh, it's 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 one. I mean, it is. Here's here's why it is so much better than so many of the other action films that you see in theaters right now. You can actually see the stresses of the action on the actors' faces, yeah. which is not yes. a thing that you always see. Like you go to a Marvel movie, and I like the Marvel movies fine. I but but they're 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 kind of flat CGI spectacle uh, where you've got guys yes, on a green yes, screen yes. doing their thing. And in Top Gun Maverick, you have people actually in airplanes experiencing G forces and like. It just looks different on your their, face. Their faces deformed. And, well, yes, human beings. Yes. Practical effects will always trump whatever sort of CGI trickery they do. The, the Marvel movies, you will it, it consists of people regularly being thrown against concrete pillars, which buckle right. and break and show the rebars, and they get up and dust oh. themselves. Nothing matters. There's no nothing there's matters. Nothing at stake. Yes, yes. Every yes, single yes, one of those yes. movies is the same. It, they are all the right. same. There's not and one now in, in, than any of them. The third act right, is now. The same. It, Season four or the fourth phase, the next phase of the MCU was just showing that the, they actually the the quiver is empty and the tank is dry. But um, so, yes. So but Peter wanted you to criticize Top Gun. He wanted he wanted you to find some fault with it because he yeah, can. I, so, so, so let me, Sonny, I, I sort of agree that Top Gun is great. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree that Top Gun is great. I mean, I just enjoyed it. But let me try tossing two criticisms at you and see what you do with them. And Rob, you're not allowed to say, "Oh, that's old man stuff." You've got to th- you've got to take these, or mm-hmm. at least Sonny has to pretend to take them seriously. Um, one is that Tom Cruise, as a fighter pilot, is preposterous. The man is turning sixty this year. He was fifty-eight, fifty-seven, fifty-eight when they were shooting the show. They're very vague about his age. There is no way in which anyone close to Tom Cruise's age would ever be permitted to climb into a cockpit of an F-18. Item one. Item two. Ed Harris is correct at the beginning of the movie, and he undermines the entire venture. And what Ed Harris says is, listen, pal, to Tom Cruise, we don't need your kind anymore. Drones will handle all of this. And then, as as we're seeing the final third of the movie set up, as Tom Cruise and his squad of F-18 pilots are flying to the the attack point, what do we see? We see uh, cruise missiles speed past them and with astounding accuracy take out the runway and the airplanes and so forth of the enemy airbase and at some point you say to yourself wait a minute why do we need crews in the air why don't we just have those crews uh, okay so what i'm saying is that the central premise that tom cruise is actually still young enough to play that role is preposterous and that the plot it's one of those movies where when you step out of the theater into the sunshine, the plot begins to wobble pretty quickly. What are you talking because, and about? Ed Harris, and Ed Harris undermined it from the very get-go. I do not wish to hear from Mr. Long. I hear, <laughs> wish to hear from Mr. Bunch. Sanity, Peter. I do not I, wish to hear from He's a movie star. Right, movie so, stars can do whatever they want. <laughs> well, this is... I, I, to, I'll, I'll, re, I'll rebut... Wait a minute. Uh, we were Peter's just talking about point. the reality of, of Top Gun, that you see gravity. Gravity affects people as the age. The reality. Oh, that's why... That's what I want to do in the summer, is go and sit in a theater and see reality. I got reality for free, Peter. Wait, now you're arguing for Marvel. Go ahead, Sonny. I'll, I'll, rebut, I'll rebut point number one by saying this. Did you see Cry Macho, the Clint Eastwood no. movie? Mm-hmm. So no. in, in Cry Macho, Clint Eastwood, who's about 90 when this was shot, I think, uh, is seen riding a horse uh, 
Yeah, yeah he's old, old. He's look, I love Clint Eastwood, old man. Um, but the he's he's shown riding a horse, which is like, all right, you're stretching it there. And then he's shown chasing a chicken around like Rocky in the Rocky, like bending down. And that's the most as, ridiculous thing. As if his thing joints actually still work. I've ever seen. So that is an example of a movie star uh, aging out of a role uh, before he should have shot it. I do not think the same thing is applicable to Tom Cruise here. I mean, did you see the beach scene, the abs? He's got the arms and the, the back and the, he's fine. He's fine. Um, the, to the second but, but point. Sonny, just, just, just to, to interrupt and see what you think about this. We are in an age of movies that have old guys doing justice things. Tom Cruise is very young, but we've got Jeff Bridges, who literally had cancer and COVID, who is then shown in this in the old man, mm-hmm. strangling a 22-year-old former yeah. Marine in the back of a car. And we buy it. We do. Liam Neeson in his, uh, taken, in his 47 Taken roles. Uh, the Highwaymen, I think, which had, what was that? Uh, Matthew, was it Matthew McConaughey? You know the movie about Kevin Costner by- and... Uh, Woody Harrelson. Totally believable about these old guys doing it. And it may be that you have this aging out boomer audience that likes to see the old guys doing the justice things. But I think we do a little. I mean, it used to be that when a guy turned 58 in the old movies, he immediately was stooped. He had gray hair. His wife had the hair in the bun. He was either a banker or he was a loser, you know, hanging around the, the mission. Now it's entirely possible for somebody to be 70, 75 and vital in these movies. And we buy it, which I think is a good thing. Anyway, to your second point. To the second point, uh, look, w- could this mission have been done by drones? No, they say in the movie that it can't, so it can't be done. Uh, but second, <laughs> secondly, secondly, uh, You're it, a believer. it's also because the movie itself is a metaphor is a metaphor for the idea of the star-driven property, right? It's it's about Tom Cruise being better than Marvel CGI. It's about uh, right. the, the idea that you need the person driving the thing instead of the IP driving the thing. Um, and the third possible explanation for all this, of course, is that he dies. Yeah. And that and, and this is all his purgatory slash death dream where he is reliving <laughs> yeah. his I've heard your crackpot theory on that. It's a good it theory, is, Rob. It's not it's a, a good crackpot theory. Pot theory. No, this uh, movie's gonna make okay. This movie's gonna make one billion dollars. It's already made one billion. It's like one point two. I mean, it domestically, right? It's gonna get a well, billion no, dollars. Probably. You know, it's, yeah. Come on, let's give it that. It's gonna get really close. Okay, to the biggest movie Rob, ever. Do you, be- do you believe that the old man in in the Pixar movie Up actually uh, tied a lot of balloons to his house and went off? Or did he die after he took his little electric scooter up to the top of the stairs? You know what? I I believe he died, and you know why I believe he died? Because there was not an up two and there is going to be a top gun three and guess who's going to star in it the i guess the reanimated corpse sonny of tom cruise come well, on look, i don't i i haven't written it i don't know christopher mccrory is probably working on it right now i'm sorry i'm sorry the, wait, wait. The, sonny give us your theory about how tom cruise dies yeah. Basically, uh, so at the start of the movie, we see Tom Cruise flying an airplane at Mach 10, ridiculous speed for an airplane to go. Uh, and then the airplane explodes and supposedly he ejects and, you know, winds up in some small city. And he's like, hey, uh, where am I? And the, the right. kid he sees is like Earth. But he's not in Earth. He's in purgatory. And he is trying to work his. And this is why all the whole film is just a series of images of him reliving past triumphs and proving right. uh, to himself that he can still do it and also help get over his uh his sins of the past with the lost loves and the 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 son of the uh, uh navigator that he killed etc cetera, etc cetera. so I, there, there's all of them. he has to, he has to he has to do two miracles two miracles to, I mean, top on. top gun by way of dante alighieri this is this is quite a theory all right 
There has to be a Turkish a Turkish television version of this actually done on the very cheap, which explicitly states that means it's some sort of purgatory. Yes, are you going to watch Turkish Netflix? Huh? Where are you going to watch something like that in another country? Hmm, I don't know. You could you could watch Netflix with ExpressVPN, or you could watch it without. But why would you watch Netflix without using ExpressVPN? That's like going to the casino and only being able to play in the slot machines. Why limit yourself like that? Big money someplace else. No, what you do is you use ExpressVPN to sort of, well, make them think that you're elsewhere. And when you do that, like I can sit there and I can explore. Well, I'm a big fan of European television. And there's a lot of stuff you just can't find in here. here. So, But if you're coming in from someplace and they think that it's, it's over there, you get libraries, different content libraries for every country. And Netflix has thousands of shows, but without a VPN, you only get access to a fraction of that based on your location. Now, on your own, you're limited to whatever content Netflix chooses for your country and your access. But, 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 but with ExpressVPN, you can control where you want Netflix or other streaming websites to think you're located. For me, for example, to watch oh, 2019, Joker. I love that movie. Dark, nihilistic. Yeah, I know. I, I know, but I loved it. In order to watch it, I got to be in Australia. I could travel all that way, but meaning to go down despite all the spiders and the kangaroos. Or I could fire up my app, tap a single button, and let ExpressVPNs do all the traveling for me. All I have to do is refresh the page. The movie's there. ExpressVPN is compatible with my phone, my tablet, my laptop, and smart TV. Speeds, they're blazing fast. I can stream in HD with zero buffer speeds. And with servers in 94 different countries, I'm not wanting for that content I'm looking for. No, so be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting an access to the fraction of the content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash ricochet. Don't forget to use our link at expressvpn.com slash ricochet. Expressvpn.com slash ricochet to get an extra three months off ExpressVPN for free. Free. And we thank ExpressVPN for sponsoring this, the Ricochet Podcast. To be fair to Sonny, uh, he's not alone in this theory. This theory is also shared by Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, and Rudy Giuliani. So you're... Oh, yeah, yeah, you heard me. You heard me. Yeah. You know what, Sonny? You know what totally works about it? Tonally works about it is there is something haunted and, 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 and a sense of loss in Maverick that the original didn't have. The original was, you know, Kenny Loggins' song-driven, yes. Uh, yes. jingoistic 80s, all the shiny sweaty glistening this one there there's a there's a i wouldn't say a sad maybe sadness is the right word there's something not empty because empty it's not an empty movie but there's an absence there's almost an absence you can feel it everywhere in the america that produced the first movie there's there's an amazing shot there's an amazing shot in this movie where uh tom cruise is watching kind of from outside the bar remember he gets thrown out of the bar uh, at the beginning and he kind of looks in and he sees Goose's kid playing the piano and he mm-hmm. sees his lost love behind the bar and he's just like he's freaked out like his eyes go wide his face face goes pale and like I, I that is a that is a that is a haunting image of loss and regret right there I mean I like for as triumphant as this movie is and for as you know rah rah America this is what we can do um, it is a movie that has a lot of I don't know uh questions elegiac. no it's just, yeah elegiac. Use, use, the, use the fancy term that, mm-hmm. uh, well no. i don't know i i 
I, I, I don't think that's true. I think it, that's why it's a great picture. That's why people are lining up and seeing it once, twice, three times in the theater when we've been told they're not going to do that and they're doing that. That's the reason why this movie is a success. You could say the same elegiac darkness to High Noon, another great movie, to almost every single Yes, Western. of course. Yes. There's always a moment mm-hmm. in these great movies of kind of regret and, um, and a sense of loss. That's what makes them great. This the Dark Knight. Is- yeah, well, yeah, don't give me that. <laughs> this movie is Sunny, scratching right? an itch that Americans want scratch, which is that that America is mm-hmm. a great country and we should be optimistic about it instead of the sour, taciturn darkness that we seem to be getting from both parties in Washington. We should Rob's be saying, mad because he tried he tried to reboot Electro Glide and Blue and the studio just wouldn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that, by the way. <laughs> this is a great, great moment for Patriots. Yeah, maybe. No, for sure. For sure. So, so on this LJX, sorry, this is interesting to me. I have one more question, one more thought. This is, again, I direct this to Sonny, and Rob is going to come in and say, ask, by the way, have you noticed the whole drift of this conversation, Sonny, that Rob Long, whose business card reads artiste, Rob Long keeps saying, ah, stop with your fancy terms. The thing made a billion dollars. It's great. Just stop. Count the money. Count the money. My business card does not say artiste. It says the opposite. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it's like I've been in show business for 32 years. Let me tell you that when you when a successful thing happens, the smart thing to do is to pay attention to why people love it. I agree. I totally I actually totally agree with that. That that I I think there's something to be said for trusting the audience. On something like this. So how much of Top Gun is a certain kind of, I'll, I'm going to use the word again, even though Rob dislikes it, the elegiac, a sweet kind of, ele, uh, a sweet elegiac rather than a dark or disturbing elegiac quality. How much of that is just because of what we happen to bring to it? For example, I called up on Google images of the other stars from the 36-year-old Top Gun. And let me put it this way, time and chance doth happeneth to all men. And all stars as well. Tom Cruise is the only one who looks anything like what he used to look like. So you think, ah, here's a big time, an old-fashioned star doing it one more time. And then, of course, you've got this feeling, wow, that's what the United States was like during the 80s. We can still just about pull it off. We can still just about believe that we still... Is that... Is So I, what am I asking? I guess I'm asking if that's just me and just James... No, or no, no. That's I, sort of built into the built into the product itself. I think you get a sense. I think you get a sense of this in the scenes in the movie with Val Kilmer, right? Val Kilmer, who uh, yes, has been yes. has been uh, who is sick. I mean, sick in real life, but also in the in the in the movie is is very ill, has cancer, but he still has a like a positive outlook. Like it's very sad that he looks ill and sounds ill. Very sad that he's dying, but he still has this positive outlook. He still has something to give not only his country but his friend um to to right. help him propel him into right. uh, the after to heaven to fighter pilot heaven <laughs> when to tom cruise enters the bar in his dress white uniform it is a moment uh that is like the apparition of, of an angel coming down i mean that's what we're supposed to i mean it's supposed to hit us like that it's an old image and here's something that we spent the last 20 years 30 years however many years saying that we should be tutting about and now there's without going rah-rah and celebrating jingoistically style the military just in this image this callback to the 80s as peter mentioned 
Uh, there's so many things that it draws upon. And that's why you, I mean, there's so many American things about it. that If you grew up in this culture, marinated in this culture, it, it, everything about it, it just seems to draw them up into a nice little bouquet and hand them to the audience, which then explodes in your face because it's an action movie. Um, so no, it's, it's great. And we will see more of that. Don't you think? Because like Rob said, they're going to look at this and uh, um, you'd think you'd think what? Yeah. Because they have uh, pre-existing uh, men, uh, you know, intellectual well, conditions. I mean, that- remember, the, the original Top Gun was also an enormous hit. I mean, it, it was the highest grossing film of its year by 50 percent, I think, um, was a was just a huge, huge right. hit. And there was no sequel to that for 35 years. So, I mean, I you know, it all kind of depends on how much Tom Cruise wants to do it. Yeah, look, if, if Tom Cruise wants a sequel to Top Gun, Top Gun three, he's going to get one. And I, my, I suspect that he does. He I mean, I think I mean, it, what's interesting about Tom Cruise is that it wasn't that long ago that Tom Cruise's career was over because he was weird and had believed in this weird Scientology. And he jumped on Oprah's couch and people were watching YouTube videos of him and saying, this guy is too weird to be in movies. And he just methodically, relentlessly like a, I mean, he, you got to give the guy credit, like a, the a self-disciplined, incredible self-discipline. He made these mission impossible movies and they are good movies. They're not special movies, but they are good movies. They made a lot of money. They were exciting. He does his own stunts. The stunts are crazier and crazier and crazier. He relentlessly focused, as Sonny said, on the face and the body. He's there doing his stunts. Like you're watching those things and it's him. And then he puts together this project with help, but also he fights for it to be in the theaters. I mean, I mean, Tom Cruise deserves like a statue in the middle of show business land. I mean, he has single handedly reminded show business of what it has forgotten, which is that people like adventure. They like heroes. They like America. They like uh, fast planes. They like cool stuff. They like to rah rah at the end. And they like they like it when the good guys win. And that doesn't mean it's a dumb movie. That means it's a movie that touches you in a way that movies are supposed to. And if you if you if you somehow resurrected a, a, a studio executive from anywhere before 1979 or 1980 or even 1985 and told them that this is the these are the lessons that Tom Cruise has taught us, he looked like, how did you forget that? Like this is the this is what built the whole town was movies like Top Gun and the idea that. Top Gun is special and people say, oh my God, Top Gun, no, we got to like think about that. The idea that it's being, it's being now examined um, uh, as a, some kind of like outlier is a sign that show business is kind of losing its way. The best thing for them to do is to stand back and to stop messing with the formula, make scary movies that are scary and make adventure movies that have adventure and stop trying to make them all intersectional and and uh, and ideological homework for the viewer which is what they've been giving us there's nothing homework about top gun that's why people have seen it three four times it's just fun yes coast that was a rob question, is right sorry. rob knows rob knows what he's talking about he's worked in movies what, he's he's here, don't, don't get carried away i was i you know, i love pixar movies i love the disney animation studio movies it's a lot of talented people and again to use the horrible term ip they've got it in space yeah. i love toy story guys i love buzz lightyear he's a He's a commendable oh, figure, yeah. right? He's heroic. He's resourceful. He's all of these things. So they make a Buzz Lightyear movie. And I was instantly, instantly turned off from going to see it. It has nothing to do with whether or not there was a lesbian subplot. Who cares? It was in the, the trailer that they made and showed to us saying, this is what this is. We saw Buzz being dressed down by some smart, young female astronaut who had his number and had the DreamWorks animation, a little expression on her face. 
And I thought, this is just going to be that. And I just instantly drained yeah. everything that I wanted to see out of the movie, which is odd because these guys would, I mean, it was a printing press, Pixar. And now their work doesn't seem to have a tenth of the cultural impact that it used to. Or is that wrong? Tell us what's coming up this summer, let's say, in the animation world, and uh, whether or not you have any hopes for this season of animation. Well, summer summer is kind of coming to a close here. I mean, the uh, the the big release this weekend. I mentioned uh, Nope, the new Jordan Peele movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's coming out. Uh, there's, have you seen that? I have. It's a. Uh, I, 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 I'll, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not going to spoil it at all. I'll say I liked it. Uh, I liked it less than Us, and I liked it less than Get Out. Um, it I it's a mess. The movie is the movie is a very big ambitious mess. Um, but I would rather watch like a big ambitious mess than kind of a, a successful mediocrity so like mm-hmm. i still liked it i still enjoyed it. it but it's it's a it's a messy movie and then i after this you've got bullet train the brad pitt uh action movie from the director of deadpool i think um and then that's kind of it for summer it's that's it until like the fall right. we're gonna get the next uh black panther movie and the uh, shazam 2 and uh avatar too like that but that's not coming till you know october november december so um you know in terms of animation that's coming out there's dc league of super pets or something uh i think on (laughs) on the horizon which is that's not a joke that's a thing i I know i know it's a real thing uh yeah but there's there's, uh, yeah there's just not there's not a ton on the horizon and this is what to get back to the you know kind of First thing we were talking about, I know theater owners are a little bit worried about the next couple of months here. Um, I, I think if you did not get a chance to see Top Gun and IMAX, uh, you might uh, at some point here in the next month or two, because there's going to be a lack of product um, and and theaters are going to want to you know put the, the hits back in. Um, it's a it's it's a bit of a dry stretch coming up. I th- the movie the, the movie summer overall has been a success. I think nobody would complain about the box office numbers they've seen. And like frankly, the movies have been pretty good too. We haven't even talked about Elvis, uh, which is a movie oh, right. I I quite enjoyed and has held mm-hmm. very well. Audiences yeah. have been very into it. It's it's had mm-hmm. very low declines from weekend to weekend. Um, and I'm surprised by. It. I figured this movie would be a huge bomb just looking at the ads for it. I was like, who's going to want to go see this? Older it audiences started aren't slow. Going- to be fair, it had a slow start, didn't it? It opened. It opened at thirty million dollars, which is more than I thought it would open to. I mean, I figured it was going to open to eighteen, fifteen million, something like that. It opened to about thirty, uh, and it's held very well. Again, it's 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 still in theaters, still doing well. Um, and and importantly, or, older audiences are showing up for it. So older audiences showed up for Top Gun Maverick, and even older audiences showed up for Elvis. Uh, the the percentage of audiences above the age of I think fifty five was um, was higher for Elvis than it was for basically anything that's. Uh, come out at least and has made that much money um so you know uh, older audiences are starting to show up again uh and they were sparked to uh, this is all anecdotal but what i hear from the theater owners is that people went to see top gun maverick they saw the trailer for elvis and they were like oh that looks pretty good i guess i'll show up for that and they hadn't been to a movie for two years before that because of covid because of you know whatever else um so you know top gun maverick in addition to saving america and you know and, and all that uh it's also i think done a very has played a very key role in getting a key market segment back to the theaters yeah i said too I've, I've seen two movies in theaters in the last and i'm ashamed to say it one was top gun and the other was west side story which i absolutely oh, right. adored which seemed to be a another destination thing but like i said my daughter and i used to go to see the pixar movies every year 
Uh, it was a vent. It was something. It was it, now we're looking at Avatar two, three, four through seventeen, I believe Cameron's made, and we're expecting that to make a lot of money. Are we? Are we expecting it to have any sort of spinoff cultural impact whatsoever? I mean, the most the movie that made the most money, not even adjusted for inflation, is it, nobody quotes it. Nobody talks about it. Nobody even knows what it's about, except for some guy on this planet with a bunch of you know anthropomorphic uh, jar jars walking around with big eyes. Um, but apparently it looks great, but what do you think it's going to do? Well, I mean, I, 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 I can't, I, I mean, I'm loath to say, you know, creatively how successful it will be. Um, and business wise, the place that's going to be the most successful is China. I mean, the reason these, these movies are being made is because they're going to make 500, 600 million dollars in China, assuming China's not still on, you know, extreme COVID lockdown, uh, in Shanghai or wherever. Um, so like that, that's kind of why those movies are made. I mean, they're, they're just going to be enormous hits. Um, Avatar came out at a very weird time because Avatar was, is the first and arguably the only real huge artistic and commercial success of the 3d boom from the, from the late Mm -hmm. aughts, early tens, right? Like it, it, it is a movie that really needed to be experienced. One of the few movies, one of the few movies that needed to be experienced in IMAX and uh, succeeded as an IMAX, you know, 3d spectacle. Right. Um, uh, Will it, I I don't think it's going to do quite as well this time around, but I do think, I think we are under selling the, permanence of avatar which i know it's like everybody likes to joke nobody can remember the name of the main character you know what what are these blue alien guys running around dances with wolves but on but a search for unobtainium right um Mm -hmm. that said people i mean people went bonkers for this movie when it came out it was a huge it was a cultural phenomenon people were I, i i i was looking back at some of the stories people were committing suicide because they could never go to the Navi planet, you know, I like I it was it was a it was a crazy, crazy time. <laughs> I don't I don't know that we'll have that sort of thing again. And again, because yeah, people 3D have gotten elements. a lot more emotionally balanced, <laughs> yeah, yeah, more stable, more more stable. A lot more good to work through its issues for sure. Yeah. Um, but I you know, I again, I think that that was such a unique uh, moment in both culture and like the technology of film that we've kind of passed that. I don't know that that will be the same sort of cultural phenomenon but maybe you never know we'll see Sonny. we gotta let you go and it's been great we'd like to have you on yeah. again and again and again because you know your stuff you're fun to talk to and you, of course we read them on twitter elsewhere in print and in uh, digital publications and sunny bunch thanks Sonny, for joining us today what's the temperature in dallas right now uh, currently i think it's about 95 but it has been 100 over 100 degrees for about 21 straight days so wow it's been hot hot in dallas I, texas yeah but cool in the movie theater. That's why they, yes. that's what they used to say. Very nice. Come on in. It's cool inside. Mm-hmm. All right. Have a great day. Regards to Texas. Yep. Totally wrong about your uh, avatar. I mean, your uh, Top Gun theory, but you I'm know. not wrong about anything. Right about everything. Yeah, take it outside, boys. <laughs> take it outside. Take it outside. No, he's never wrong. Um, yeah, we had 100 degree weather here in Minneapolis, and that's when our air conditioning went out. Brutal, miserable. Oh, but I man. assume, of course, I, uh, yes, I know. And of course, they wouldn't come and fix it because it was too hot upstairs in the attic to fix it. Uh, but eventually they did when it cooled down and I didn't need it as much anymore. I imagine that it'll be hot in Austin, but it's going to be even, you know, what are the temps in Austin in September? He said, throwing Rob an easy segue. They are, in fact, very hot. They are uh, hot, but I don't think, not certainly not in the hundreds. Um, but speaking of Austin... Ricochet is excited to be a media partner with the Texas Tribune Festival, which is taking place September 22 through 24 in Austin. 
Uh, we're going to have an announcement soon on some of your favorite Ricochet stars who will be there. Stay tuned on that front. And if you'd like to attend the event yourself, we have a special discount code for a one-time 15% discount off one general admission ticket. Just go to TribFest, T-R-I-B-Fest.org and enter the code RICOCHET15 in the promo code box located at the bottom of the registration widget and click apply. We'll have this information on the member feed for sure. We hope to see you there. Um, again, this is part of our, um, you know, following the... Um, the lead of Joe Biden, we uh, we're not going to get worried about COVID, uh, just like Joe right. Biden. So and because Ricochet spans the globe, it's not the only meetup. Okay. It's not the only. No, meetup. of course we have a meetup in in an obscure town you may have heard of called Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The meetup is July 29 through 31, and again, like it's we have a lot of meetups, so it's hard to keep keep track of them all. You got to stay uh, in touch with it on the member feed, but um, we know the place that's next weekend. So next weekend in Milwaukee, our very own Matt Balzer is has coordinated with members for a ton of fun in the Badger State. Wisconsin is the Badger State. So if you're a Ricochet member in the area, be sure to check out the Ricochet Meetup group or email support Ricochet for details. But again, Ricochet Meetup group from the member feed. Uh, if you're not a member, this is a perfect time to become a member. This weekend in um, Wisconsin, uh, early autumn, maybe the, actually the first day of autumn, September 22nd in Austin. Um, it is just the beginning um we are gathering irl great well now that people have endured all that wonderful self-promotional stuff we have to give them something before we go out we just can't end there so peter you've been out of the loop you said for a week but surely some news has penetrated to, to you up to your cabin uh surely you heard that there was uh, an indiana man who killed a mass shooter or a prospective mass shooter at, at a mall this is everything we're told doesn't happen right that somebody who is packing actually takes out the guy who's there to commit mass mayhem. We're told that this doesn't happen. Oh, this is a and story. It, this is a story that ended the right way, sort of. It did, and everybody got mad at him and pointed out that he shouldn't have had the gun in the first place because the mall bans guns. <sighs> as you could say, happened was applied to the shooter as well. Um, but that story apparently doesn't have any traction with either the two of you. Well, we have a stabbing <laughs> in we have a stabbing in New York, right? Rob, that's uh, that's practically your backyard, right? Because I know the people of New York City have great empathy and love and connection to the people upstate, right? <laughs> yeah, you guys. Well, um, uh, uh, a, a gubernatorial candidate was stabbed, and all you really need to know is that he's okay. But the other thing you need to know is that the guy who stabbed him like walked out of the like was charged. With a misdemeanor assault or something, um, and then walked out of jail. That's really the, um, yeah. That's that how I how didn't get. We run it in California. I read about a couple of guys who had apparently imported enough yeah. fentanyl to kill every person on the planet, and uh, they posted uh, posted bail and walked. They're out. They're gone. They didn't show up for their hearing again, so they're now asking us to locate them. Uh, there was the a NASCAR driver who was killed at a gas station by a man, it turns out, who had been uh, let out, who uh, hadn't paid for his crimes as he had. It, it, we hear the stories every day. We hear them here. Yes, you can ask, Peter. Well, I do have a story. I have a Wyoming story. It has nothing yes, to do with politics. That's what I have. I have wished all my life, which is getting to be a while now, to see a moose in the wild. Last time I was in Wyoming in the winter, I, somebody pointed out off in the trees that there was a moose there and you could sort of see a shape moving. And I thought, okay, well, if I have to, that's one I can tick off the bucket list. But I didn't, I hadn't really seen it. And two days ago, 
in the afternoon, a moose, a big bull moose, walked up to the just outside my bedroom and looked at the window and then lay down and chewed his cud and sniffed and stayed there for the whole afternoon. <laughs> and I stood there with my face pressed against the window pane 10 feet away from a magnificent wild animal and just took him in for hour after hour after hour. And you know what? Reality is pretty remarkable. That moose was beautiful and strange all at the same time. Um, like and he's kind of moving. Yes, yes, yes. A little bit like you, <laughs> although he's much more open-minded. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I found it so moving, but I did find it moving to but be in is. the presence of, to just yeah. to be reminded at how, how capacious and strange and wonderful reality is. They and then he stood up and ambled off into the woods and has not been seen again. They said That's when my story. The first, people, when the first settlers came to America and they encountered Mises, uh, they were seven feet tall. And that this guy seemed, could have been seven feet tall. He was a large creature. That's an enormous amount of animal. It's like when you're in South Dakota and you see, admittedly small compared to the old, but still impressive bison herd amble across the road. Traffic has no option but to stop, of course, and then come into the, your, the front yard of wherever you happen to be staying in, in the enormity of the creatures. It's just So yes, imagine coming to a place that had all sorts of fauna, flora that you'd never seen before and, and wondering how far this country went. And, you know, there are days, Peter, when you're standing there at the window, not, not with dances with wolves, but it's chewing with mouse, with moose, watching <laughs> do, work the cud, and you have still a sense of wonder, as opposed to just, yeah, I, you know, I've seen pictures of these things all my life. I know they're out there, a big deal. So the, the yeah. wonder and surprise and glory and fascination and curiosity and anticipation that they had when they first came here, aside from hunger and scurvy and deprivation, still exists in all of us. It's part of being an American. It's, it's looking at that and wondering what else is out there and marveling at all the things that this great land can contain. So, yes, that's your idea. Yeah. I envy you there. Also, I feel like when I first saw a moose, my first reaction was, oh, my God, it looks just like a moose. I mean, it looks just like Bullwinkle. It looks just like it's supposed to look. Well, so, this standing yeah. on its back legs and conversing with June Foray. I mean, that. Well, that, but like, it's that. just a funny thing. because, like, oh, my God, it's a moose. It literally, it's, it's a, it, it's, you know, it's like when you see the Leaning Tower of Peace, you're like, that's, yeah, that's what that's supposed to look like. The Leaning Tower of uh -huh. Peace are right there. Right. And um, there's something kind of refreshing and, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's one of the things you discover when you go to the wild places is that they just walk around. This is their neighborhood. They just walk around. Mm -hmm. These exotic, cool looking animals just, they're just there. They're not there for us. They're just there. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yesterday, no. early, 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 we got up and drove some distance and went for a hike and ran into another hiker coming from the other direction saying, just so you know, around the corner, there's a mother grizzly and a cub. And, but don't worry about it. She, and then off the other hiker went. Whereupon <laughs> my wife, and we, the, the, the thing they always tell you is have your bear spray ready. So my wife reaches in the can, she's ready to remove mm -hmm. the bear spray and then they make noise. So my beloved wife began singing, the bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the... And we turned the corner, and to our enormous relief, it was a black bear and her cub. And 
black bears just don't care that much about people. It was beyond, but again, right. though, it was this just amazing thing. Wait a minute. They're not here for us. This no. is not a zoo. That is a wild animal raising her little creature and rooting around for grub and, and berries. I don't, again, I just, I'm stuck at trying to find some kind of lesson there, except that there is just something wonderful about it. All right, I'm done. Yeah. There oh, is a lesson to all that stuff is that there's a God. Otherwise, with, there's nothing with, rational about a moose. With infinite injury. There is nothing in, rational about a moose. In, in peopling this, this world with all the glories that it has. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I would say you're in California, Peter, but those of us you know, think California is this great unspoiled place, except for Los Angeles and San Francisco. So I'm surprised, actually, that the campus environment isn't bucolic and filled with little dancing creatures anyway, Disney style. <laughs> uh, but apparently not. And of course, Rob is in the antithesis of the natural world, New York, this entire manufactured artificial sure. canyon, which has, its, which has its own ecosystem and the rest of it. And I'm in a place where you can get out of town in half an hour and be amongst them. So, yes, it's an incredible country, and there's still some summer to enjoy it. So, yes, go to the movie, enjoy that, but also maybe get in your car while you can and uh, drive far, touch grass, as they say on the Internet, or eat it, as my dog does when he needs to throw something up. Uh, we would like to thank you, by the way, for listening. We'd like to thank Bowling Branch for sponsoring and ExpressVPN as well. S support them for supporting us and join Ricochet today so you can, too, be part of those meetups in real life. Maybe even have one of your own someday and introduce yourself to everybody else in person, in the flesh. It can be done. Leave us a five-star review. I've been saying for 500 podcasts at least. Uh, so you could shut me up if you all did it today. Those reviews allow new listeners to discover us and to keep the show going. And of course, we want to keep the show and Ricochet going. And we will see you all in the comments, peopled and contentious and enjoyable as they always are at Ricochet 4.0. Next week, boys. Next week, fellas. Next week, fellas. Ricochet. Join the conversation.